Welcome to the Faith Comes From Hearing podcast. This podcast will be a sharing of part of my morning routine as I prepare for the day with the Word of God. We will be partaking of Puritan prayers from the Valley of Vision, each day's morning devotional from Charles Haddon Spurgeon's Morning and Evening, and we'll be reading from the Legacy Standard Bible, which is the newest and, I believe, the most accurate translation of the Word of God. We will be following a Bible reading calendar that provides for reading the whole Bible in a year that was created by Minister Robert Murray McShane for his congregation back in 1842, and that has been a part of my daily reading for over six years now. Good morning and welcome to the Sunday, May 28th episode of the Faith Comes From Hearing podcast. I'm Wayne Floyd, your host. The Faith Comes From Hearing podcast is a humble member of the Christian podcast community. You can find us over at christianpodcastcommunity.org. A lot of great listening over there. also want to point you at the last two links in our show notes. The first one is for the Vail Valley Baptist Church Give, Send, Go campaign. Um, we are striving to rapidly pay off our mortgage so that we can commence establishment of a Christian classic education-based school. Uh, go ahead and click on the link. You can read a more thorough description. Oh, excuse me. And then, um, I'm sorry, I went blank there. Um, and, and then we'd like to ask you to do three things. We'd like to ask you to pray for us, to prayerfully consider giving to us, and to pass the pass the link along so that others can do the same. The final link in our show notes is for Nathaniel Jolly. Um, I can't even remember off the top of my head what the title was I gave to it, um, but it is a link to their Give, Send, Go campaign. They are um, missionaries up in Alaska, um, and they have had their their vehicle break down, their single vehicle. Um, it's for them and, and their church. I mean, th- this is it. Um, and because they are church planners, they, and you can read all this at the description, but, but they've got no, they've got no salary. I mean, there's no salary there to help them try to pay for this. Um, so they've set up a give, send, go for $8,000. Um, last I looked, looked like they were making some progress, but I'd ask you to do the same three things to pray for them, to prayerfully consider giving to them and to pass the link along so others can do the same. Uh, they definitely need your help. Nathaniel and his wife are doing wonderful work up there. Um, so would definitely encourage you to check that out as well. All right. Well, again, we're going to be doing a double reading day to day. It doesn't look like as many chapters as like yesterday was, but we'll see. They're probably pretty long chapters to be honest, but let's go ahead and get rolling with this. We're going to go ahead and open up with the Lord's day morning prayer. Let's pray. O maker and upholder of all things day and night are thine. They are also mine from thee the night to rid me of the cares of the day, to refresh my weary body, to renew my natural strength, the day to summon me to new activities, to give me opportunity to glorify thee, to serve my generation, to acquire knowledge, holiness, eternal life. But one day above all days is made especially for thy honor and my improvement. The Sabbath reminds me of thy rest from creation, of the resurrection of my Savior, of his entering into repose. Thy house is mine, but I am unworthy to meet thee there, and am unfit for spiritual service. When I enter it, I come before thee as a sinner, condemned by conscience and thy word. For I am still in the body and in the wilderness, ignorant, weak, in danger, and in need of thine aid, but encouraged by thy all-sufficient grace. Let me go to thy house with a lively hope of meeting thee, knowing that there thou wilt come to me and give me peace. My soul is drawn out to thee in longing desires. For thy presence in the sanctuary, at the table, where all are entertained on a feast of good things. 
Let me, before the broken elements, emblems of thy dying love, cry to thee with broken heart for grace and forgiveness. I long for that blissful communion of thy people, in thy eternal house, in the perfect kingdom. These are they that follow the Lamb. May I be of their company. Amen. All right, and now our devotion from Spurgeon's Morning and Evening. The text for this morning is from Romans 8.30. Whom he justified, them he also glorified. Here is a precious truth for thee, believer. Thou mayest be poor or in suffering or unknown, but for thy encouragement take a review of thy calling and the consequences that flow from it, and especially that blessed result here spoken of. As surely as thou art God's child today, so surely shall all thy trials soon be at an end, and thou shalt be rich to, be, to all the intents of bliss. Wait a while, and that weary head shall wear the crown of glory, and that hand of labor shall grasp the palm branch of victory. Lament not thy troubles, but rather rejoice that ere long thou wilt be where there shall be neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain. The chariots of fire are at thy door, and a moment will suffice to bear thee to the glorified. The everlasting song is almost on thy, on thy lips. The portals of heaven stand open for thee. Think not that thou canst fail, fail of entering into rest. If he hath called thee, nothing can divide thee from his love. Distress cannot sever the bond. The fire of persecution cannot burn the link. The hammer of hell cannot break the chain. Thou art secure. That voice which called thee at first shall call thee yet again from earth to heaven. From death's dark gloom to immortality's unuttered splendors. Rest assured, the heart of him who has justified thee beats with infinite love towards thee. Thou shalt soon be with the glorified where thy portion is. Thou art only waiting here to be made meet for the inheritance, and that done the wings of angels shall waft thee far away to the mount of peace and joy and blessedness, where, far from a world of grief and sin, with God eternally shut in, thou shalt rest forever and ever. All right, so our reading for today, like I said, it sounds like less, but I have a feeling these are long chapters. Uh, we're doing Second Samuel 12 and 13. We're doing John 16 and 17, Psalm 119, verse 65 through 96, and Proverbs 16, verse 4 through 7. So 2 Samuel 12, then Yahweh sent Nathan to David and he came to him and said, there were two men in one city, sorry, the one rich and the other poor. The rich man had a great many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb, which he bought and nourished. And it grew up together with him and his children. It would eat his morsel of bread and drink of his cup and lie in his bosom and was like a daughter to him. Now a visitor came to the rich man, and he was unwilling to take from his own flock or his own herd to prepare for the traveler who had come to him. Rather, he took the poor man's ewe lamb and prepared it for the man who had come to him. Then David's anger burned greatly against the man, and he said to Nathan, As Yahweh lives, surely the man who has done this deserves to die. And he must make restitution for the lamb fourfold, because he did this thing and had no compassion. Nathan then said to David, You are the man. Thus says Yahweh, the God of Israel, it is I who anointed you king over Israel, and it is I who delivered you from the hand of Saul. I also gave you your master's house and your master's wives into your care, and I gave you the house of Israel and Judah, and, I, and if that had been too little, I would have added to you many more things like these. Why have you despised the word of Yahweh by doing evil in his sight? 
You have struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword, have taken his wife to be your wife, and have killed him with the sword of the sons of Ammon. So now the sword shall never depart from your house, because you have despised me and have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. Thus says Yahweh, Behold, I will raise up evil against you from your own household. I will even take your wives from before your sight and give them to your companion, and he will lie with your wives in the sight of this son. Indeed, you did it secretly, but I will do this thing before all Israel and before the sun. Then David said to Nathan, I have sinned against Yahweh. And Nathan said to David, Yahweh also has taken away your sin. You shall not die. However, because by this deed you have given occasion to the enemies of Yahweh to blaspheme, the son also that is born to you shall surely die. And Nathan went to his house. Then Yahweh smote the child that Uriah's wife bore to David, so that he was very sick. David therefore sought God about the boy, and David fasted and went, and spent the night lying on the ground. And the elders of his household stood beside him in order to raise him up from the ground, but he was unwilling and would not eat food with them. Then it happened on the seventh day that the child died, and the servants of David were afraid to tell him that the child was dead. For they said, Behold, while the child was still alive, we spoke to him, and he did not listen to our voice. How then can we tell him that the child has died? He might do himself harm. And David saw that his servants were whispering together, so David discerned that the child had died. So David said to his servants, Has the child died? And they said, He has died. So David arose from the ground, washed, anointed himself, and changed his clothes. And he came into the house of Yahweh and worshipped. Then he came to his own house, and he asked, and they set food before him, and he ate. Then his servants said to him, What is this thing that you have done? While the child was alive, you fasted and wept. But when the child died, you arose and ate food. Then he said, While the child was still alive, I fasted and wept. For I said, Who knows? Yahweh may be gracious to me that the child may live. But now he has died. Why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I will go to him, but he will not return to me. Then David comforted his wife Bathsheba, and went into her, and lay with her. And she gave birth to a son, and he named him Solomon. Now Yahweh loved him, and sent word by the hand of Nathan the prophet, and he named him Jedidiah for the sake of Yahweh. Then Joab fought against Rabbah of the sons of Ammon, and captured the royal city. And Joab sent messengers to David, and said, I have fought against Rabbah, I have even captured the city of waters. So now gather the rest of the people together, and camp against the city, and capture it, lest I capture the city myself, and it be named after me. So David gathered all the people, and went to Rabbah, fought against it, and captured it. Then he took the crown of their king from his head, and its weight was a talon of gold, and in it was a precious stone, and it was placed on David's head, and he brought out the spoil of the city in a very great amount. He also brought out the people who were in it, and set them up with saws, sharp iron instruments and iron axes, and made them pass through the brick kiln, and thus he used to do to all the cities of the sons of Ammon. Then David and all the people returned to Jerusalem. Second Samuel 13 now it happened afterwards that Absalom, the son of David, had a beautiful sister whose name, name was Tamar, and Amon, the son of David, loved her. And Amon was so distressed because of his sister Tamar that he made himself ill, for she was a virgin. So it was hard in Amon's sight to do anything to her. But Amon had a friend whose name was, I'm sorry, Amnon had a friend, it's Amnon, I'm sorry, but Amnon had a friend whose name was Jonadab, the son of Shemiah. David's brother, and Jonadab was a very shrewd man. 
And he said to him, O son of the king, why are you so depressed morning after morning? Will you not tell me? Then Amnon said to him, I am in love with Tamar, the sister of my brother Absalom. Jonadab then said to him, Lie down on your bed and pretend to be ill, and your father will come to see you. And you will say to him, Please let my sister Tamar come and give me some food some food to eat, and let her prepare the, prepare the food in my sight, that I may see it and eat from her hand. So Amnon lay down and pretended to be ill, and the king came to see him, and Amnon said to the king, Please let my sister Tamar come and make me a couple of cakes in my sight, that I may eat from her hand. Then David sent to the house for Tamar, saying, Go now to your brother Amnon's house and prepare food for him. So Tamar went to her her brother Amnon's house, and he was lying down, and she took dough, kneaded it, made cakes in his sight, and baked the cakes. And she took the pan and dished them out before him, but he refused to eat, and Amnon said, Have everyone go out from me. So everyone went out from him. Then Amnon said to Tamar, Bring the food into the bedroom, that I may eat from your hand. So Tamar took the cakes which she had made and brought them into the bedroom to her brother Amnon. Then she brought them near to him to eat, but he took hold of her and said to her, Come, lie with me, my sister. But she said to him, No, my brother, do not violate me, for such a thing is not done in Israel. Do not do this disgraceful thing. As for me, where could I get rid of my reproach? And as for you, you will be like one of the wicked fools in Israel. So now please speak to the king, for he will not withhold me from you. But he was not willing to listen to her voice. Now he was stronger than she, so he violated her and lay with her. Then Amnon hated her with a very great hatred, for the hatred with which he hated her was greater than the love with which he had loved her. And Amnon said to her, Get up, go away. But she said to him, No, because this wrong in sending me away is greater than the other that you have done to me. But he was not willing to listen to her. Then he called his young man who attended him and said, Now cast this woman out of my presence and lock the door behind her. Now she had on a long-sleeved garment, for in this manner the virgin daughters of the king dressed themselves in robes. Then his attendant took her out and locked the door behind her. Then Tamar put ashes on her head and tore her long-sleeved garment, which was on her, and she put her hand on her head and went away, crying aloud as she went. So Absalom her brother said to her, Has Amnon your brother been with you? But now keep silent, my sister, he is your brother. Do not take this matter to heart. So Tamar remained and was desolate in her brother Absalom's house. Now when King David heard of all these matters, he was very angry. But Absalom did not speak to Amnon, either good or bad, for Absalom hated Amnon because he had violated his sister Tamar. Now it happened after two full years that Absalom had sheep shearers in Baal Hazor, which is near Ephraim, and Absalom invited all the king's sons. And Absalom came to the king and said, Behold, now your servant has sheep shearers. Please let the king and his servants go with your servant. But the king said to Absalom, No, my son, we would not all go, for we will be burdensome to you. Although he urged him, he was not willing to go, but blessed him. Then Absalom said, If not, please let my brother Amnon go with us. And the king said to him, Why should he go with you? But Absalom urged him, so he sent Amnon and all the king's sons with him. Then Absalom commanded his young men, saying, See now, when Amnon's heart is merry with wine, and when I say to you, Strike Amnon, then put him to death. Do not fear, have not I myself commanded you. Be strong and be valiant. Thus the young men of Absalom did to Amnon just as Absalom had commanded. Then all the king's sons arose, and each mounted his mule and fled. 
Now it was while they were on the way, sorry. Now it was while they were on the way that the report came to David saying, Absalom has struck down all the king's sons and not one of them is left. Then the king arose, tore his clothes and lay on the ground and all his servants were standing by with clothes torn. But Jonadab, the son of Shemiah, David's brother, answered and said, Do not let my lord suppose they have put to death all the young men, the king's sons, for Amnon alone has died, because by the intent of Absalom this has been set since the day that he violated his sister Tamar. So now do not let my lord the king take the report to heart, saying, All the king's sons have died, for only Amnon has died. Then Absalom fled, and the young man who was the watchman raised his eyes and looked, and behold, many people were coming from the road behind him by the side of the mountain. And Jonadab said to the king, Behold, the king's sons have come, according to your servant's word. So it happened. As soon as he had finished speaking, behold, the king's sons came and lifted their voices and wept. And also the king and all his servants wept very bitterly. Now Absalom had fled and went to Talmai, the son of Amihud, the king of Jeshur. And David mourned for his son every day. So Absalom had fled and gone to Jeshur, and was there three years. And the heart of King David was consumed with going out to Absalom, for he was, com- com- for he was comforted concerning Amnon, since he had died. All right, John 16. These things I have spoken to you, so that you may be kept from stumbling. They will put you out of the synagogue, but an hour is coming for everyone who kills you to think that he is offering service to God. These things they will do because they did not know the Father or me. But these things I have spoken to you so that when when their hour comes, you may remember that I told you of them. These things I did not say to you at the beginning because I was with you. But now I am going to him who sent me, and none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. But I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you, and he, when he comes, will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment, concerning sin because they do not believe in me, and concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you no longer see me, and concerning judgment because the ruler of this world has been judged. I still have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak from himself, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will disclose to you what is to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of mine and will disclose it of you, disclose it to you, excuse me. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore I said that he takes of mine and will disclose it to you. A little while, and you will no longer see me, and again a little while, and you will see me. Some of his disciples then said to one another, What is this he is telling us? A little while and you will not see me, and again a little while and you will see me, and because I go to the Father. So what they, so they were saying, What is this that he says? A little while, we do not know what he is talking about. Jesus knew that they were wishing to question him, and he said to them, Are you deliberating together about this, that I said a little while and you will not see me, and again a little while and you will see me? Truly, truly, I say to you, that you will cry and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will be turned into joy. Whenever a woman is in labor, she has sorrow, because her hour has come. But when she gives birth to the child, she no longer remembers the suffering, because of the joy that a child has been born into the world. Therefore you too have sorrow now, but I will see you again, and your heart will rejoice, and no one will take your joy away from you. 
And on that day, you will not question me about anything. Truly, truly, I say to you, if you ask the Father for anything in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you have asked for nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive so that your joy may be made complete. These things I have spoken to you in figures of speech. An hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures of speech, but will tell you openly of the Father. On that day you will ask in my name, and I do not say to you that I will request of the Father on your behalf. For the Father himself loves you, because you have loved me, and have believed that I came, that I came forth from the Father. I came forth from the Father, and have come into the world. I am leaving the world again, and going to the Father." His disciples said, Behold, now you are speaking openly and are not using a figure of speech. Now we know that you know all things and have no need for anyone to question you. By this we believe that you came from God. Jesus answered them, Do you now believe? Behold, an hour is coming and has already come for you to be scattered, each to his own home, and to leave me alone. And yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. These things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but take courage, I have overcome the world. John 17 Jesus spoke these things, and lifting up his eyes to heaven, he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you. Even as you gave authority over all flesh, that to all whom you have given him, he may give eternal life. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I glorified you on the earth, having finished the work which you have given me to do. Now, Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. I have manifested your name to the men whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they have come to know that everything you have given me is from you. For the words which you gave me I have given to them, and they received them, and truly understood that I came forth from you, and they believed that you sent me. I ask on their behalf, I do not ask on behalf of the world, but of those whom you have given me, for they are yours, and all things that are mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I have been glorified in them, and I am no longer in the world, and yet they themselves are in the world, and I come to you, Holy Father, keep them, keep them in your name the name which you have given me, that they may be one even as we are. While I was with them, I was keeping them in your name, which you have given me, and I guarded them, and not one of them perished, but the son of perdition, so that the scripture would be fulfilled. But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, so that they may have my joy made full in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also sent them into the world. For their sake I sanctify myself, that they themselves also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask on behalf of these alone, but for those also who believe in me through their word that they may all be one, even as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that, they, so that the world may believe that you sent me. The glory which you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, just as we are one, I in them, and you in me, that they may be perfected in unity, so that the world may know that you sent me, and love them, even as you have loved me. 
Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me be with me where I am, so that they may see my glory which you have given me, for you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, although the world has not known you, yet I have known you, and these have known that you sent me, and I have made your name known to them, and will make it known, so that the world, I'm sorry, so that the love with which you love me may be in them, and I in them. All right. Psalm 119, verses 65 through 96. You have dealt well with your slave, O Yahweh, according to your word. Teach me good discernment and knowledge, for I believe in your commandments. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. You are good and do good. Teach me your statutes. The arrogant have smeared me with lying. With all my heart I will observe your precepts. Their heart is covered with fat, but I delight in your law. It is good for me that I was afflicted, that I may learn your statutes. The law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. Your hands made me and established me. Give me understanding that I may learn your commandments. May those who fear you see me and be glad, because I wait for your word. I know, O Yahweh, that your judgments are righteous, and that in faithfulness you have afflicted me. O may your loving kindness comfort me, according to your word to your slave. May your compassion come to me that I may live, for your law is my delight. May the arrogant be ashamed, for they wrong me with lying, but I shall muse on your precepts. May those who fear you turn to me, and those who know your testimonies. May my heart be blameless in your statutes, so that I will not be ashamed. My soul fall I'm sorry, my soul fails with longing for your salvation. I wait for your word. My eyes fail with longing for your word, saying, When will you comfort me? For I am like a wineskin in the smoke, but I do not forget your statutes. How many are the days of your slave? When will you execute judgment on those who persecute me? The arrogant have dug pits for me, men who are not in accord with your law. All your commandments are faithful. They have persecuted me with lying. Help me. They almost made an end of me on the earth, but as for me, I did not forsake your precepts. Precepts, excuse me. Revive me according to your loving kindness, so that I may keep the testimony of your mouth. Forever, O Yahweh, your word stands firm in heaven. Your faithfulness endures from generation to generation. You establish the earth, and it stands. They stand this day according to your judgments, for all things are your slaves. If your law had not been my delight, then I would have perished in my affliction. I will never forget your precepts, for by them you have revived me. I am yours, save me, for I have sought your precepts. The wicked hope for me to destroy me. I shall perceive your testimonies. I have seen a limit to all perfection. Your commandment is exceedingly broad. And finally, Proverbs 16, verses 4 through 7. Yahweh has made everything for its own purpose even the wicked for the day of evil. Everyone who is proud in heart is an abomination to Yahweh. Assuredly, he will not be unpunished. By loving kindness and truth, iniquity is atoned for, and by the fear of Yahweh, one turns away from evil. When a man's ways are pleasing to Yahweh, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. All right, that's our reading for the day, and now our evening devotion. The text is from Lamentations 3.21. This I recall to my mind, Therefore have I hope. Memory is frequently the bond slave of despondency. Despairing minds called to remembrance every dark foreboding in the past and dilate upon every gloomy feature in the present. Thus memory clothed in sackcloth presents to the mind a cup of mingled gall and wormwood. 
There is, however, no necessity for this. Wisdom can readily transform memory into an angel of comfort. That same recollection which in its left hand brings so many gloomy omens may be trained to bear in its right a wealth of hopeful signs. She need not wear a crown of iron. She may encircle her brow with a fillet of gold, all sprang, spangled with stars. Thus it was in Jeremiah's experience. In the previous verse, memory had brought him to deep humiliation of soul. My soul hath them still in remembrance, and is humbled in me. And now this same memory restored him to life and comfort. This I recall to my mind. Therefore have I hope. Like a two-edged sword, his memory first killed his pride with one edge, and then slew his despair with the other. As a general principle, if we would exercise our memories more wisely, we might, in our very darkest distress, strike a match which would instantaneously kindle the lamp of comfort. There is no need for God to create a new thing upon the earth in order to restore believers to joy. If they would prayerfully rake the ashes of the past, they would find light for the present. And if they would turn to the book of truth and the throne of grace, their candle would soon shine as aforetimes. Be it ours to remember the loving kindness of the Lord and to reduce, I'm sorry, and to rehearse his deeds of grace. Let us open the volume of recollection, which is so richly illuminated with memorials of mercy, and we shall soon be happy. Thus memory may be, as Coleridge calls it, the bosom spring of joy. And when the divine comforter bends it to his service, it may be chief among earthly comforters. All right. Well, that is our show for the day. Um, I hope you have a wonderful day. I continue to implore you to do all that you do for the glory of God. Um, if you haven't already gone to church, you need to go to church today. Get it together. Um, if you're in the area, come join us at Vail Valley Baptist Church. You can find us at vvb.church on the web. That'll give you the address. Uh, we meet at 1030 Arizona time. Would love to see you. We're also live streaming on Facebook, so you can find it there as well. All right, let's go ahead and close out with the Lord's Day evening prayer. Let's pray. Most holy God, may the close of an earthly Sabbath remind me that the last of them will one day end. Animate me with joy that in heaven praise will never cease, that adoration will continue forever, that no flesh will grow weary, no congregation disperse, no affections flag, no thoughts wander, no will droop, but all will be adoring love. Guard my mind from making ordinances my stay or trust, from hewing out broken cisterns, from resting on outward helps. Wing me through earthly forms to thy immediate presence. May my feeble prayer show me the emptiness and vanity of my sins. Deepen in me the conviction that my most fervent prayers and most lowly confessions need to be repented of. May my best services bring me nearer to the cross and prompt me to cry, None but Jesus. By thy Spirit give abiding life to the lessons of this day. May the seed sown take deep root and yield a full harvest. Let all who see me take knowledge that I have been with thee, that thou hast taught me my need as a sinner, hast revealed a finished salvation to me, hast enriched me with all the spiritual blessings, hast chosen me to show forth Jesus to others, hast helped me to dispel the mists of unbelief. O great Creator, mighty Protector, gracious Preserver, Thou dost load me with loving kindnesses, and hast made me Thy purchased possession, and redeemed me from all guilt. I praise and bless Thee for my Sabbath rest, my calm conscience, my peace of heart. Amen. All right, again, I hope you have a wonderful day, and I hope to see you again Monday. Have a good one. God bless.